Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening, where while we are not set necessarily to talk about one movie, but to respond to several questions about the movies we have been watching and the movies we have been talking about. So this is an evening that I have been looking forward to. And I do say we because Father Mike is in studio with me. So, Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening. Thank you very much, Joe. It's always good to be here. So, Father Mike, I promised last week because you bailed on me again. <laughs> no. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. You're a busy we're not, man. We're not bitter priest. or anything like that. <laughs> no. So, as I promised our listening audience last week after my reflection on Slumdog Millionaire that you would come in and talk about it a little bit. So... Our game plan for this evening is to briefly talk about uh, Slumdog Millionaire once again, and then, as I had just noted, get into some questions that we've been asked. This evening is kind of going to kind of be, Father Mike, a looking back. You know, here we are at the end of 2018. Uh, this is what you do, right? <laughs> you kind of do a looking back, and so we are going to uh, look back, and we are going to do so through the prism of a couple questions that have been asked of us to respond to. So... With that, uh, Slumdog Millionaire, I do know, Father Mike, you watched the movie. Yeah. You had to listen to me because I forced you to listen to it was, me. It was awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, it, it's a great movie. I remember watching that when it first came out, and so I was excited by the idea. And uh, you spoke to this a little bit in the, in the podcast last week about uh, really what is a major theme in the movie, and that is uh, destiny, although that word doesn't really come up. But... What this movie represents for me um, is really a, an exposition of, of a very deep human desire or sense, and that is the deep sense that uh, there's kind of a governing order in our world, that, that mm -hmm. things happen for a reason. Yeah. I mean, we, we just, a, a lot of our stories get at this piece, um, and this is a lot of our struggle. We were talking earlier, drinking coffee about, you know, when bad things happen, we want to know why. What, what mm -hmm. is the logic behind what's happening in our life? Mm-hmm. There's just this deep, deep human sense of that. And, and on the stage of, yes, the movie, but on the stage of uh, this story that's being told about a young man who lives through all of this life experience, some of it very painful, some of it kind of not consequential at all, but that it is all part of this preparation that mm -hmm. he can look back and say, and as the, as the viewer, you can look back and say, ah, that's why this happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think this this movie won so many awards, and it was so resonant because it just it speaks right to that deep human need. So, you know, whether one calls that destiny or karma or providence or God's will, it it does say that uh, to be human is to have some deep awareness or some deep need for um, some interior logic of yeah. my life. Yeah, I I do. Um, I would suggest to you that the presence of a desire like that is kind of evidence of a truth like that. Yes. You know, one, one could ask the question, um, scientifically speaking or otherwise, is thirst evidence for water? You know, and I would suggest that it is. Um, so I, I just founded this movie to be rich for that reason because it just points to what every human being uh, simultaneously longs for and knows. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that, our, that 
what happens to us that there's there's some kind of connectable, coherent meaning to life experience and that part of the project, or maybe there's riches at the end of a project like that involved in identifying the meaning of our life experience. Yeah, and sometimes, if not all the time, Father Mike, God calls us to be patient, right? Uh, sometimes patience can equal one month. Sometimes patience can equal one year. Sometimes patience can equal 10 years, right? God desires patience because in the being patient, we come to see what we need to see. And of course, that patience always has with it uh, the gift of faith, that over time we will see what we need to see. Because if we're going to get to the heart of it and uh, what we mean to say when we talk about destiny, when we talk about purpose, when we, we, when we talk about you know, God's providence or whatever you want to call it, in the end, <laughs> in the end, God will give us what we need to see to spur us on. You know, we say hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, in the spiritual life, God gives us the lenses to see <laughs> what we might see later in the here and now. And certainly, that's very important for us to be present to, because when you start talking about how God weaves meaning into all of our life's experiences, if we don't tap into our faith, then yeah, we are never going to understand the life experiences uh, for what they are, huh? So, Father Mike, uh, thank you for your reflection. That was rich. Uh, we have been asked certain questions, very specific questions, and so I'll just throw these out there. The first is, what has been your favorite uh, movie to talk about and why? And the second is, what has been your favorite part of doing this series on movies? So the first question comes from a Jonathan in Bemidji, Minnesota, and the second comes from a Stephen in Paris, France. So again, this just kind of taps into our international arena here. Yeah. But uh, to that first question, what has been your favorite movie to talk about and why? Now, Father Mike, if I'm going to answer this question honestly, I'm not going to take a step back and, and sit and reflect and say, hmm, you know, what <laughs> movie struck me? But yeah. rather just that knee-jerk reaction. You know, typically we say, don't give knee-jerk reactions. But here I'll say, it might be necessary because it's the most honest answer. Yeah. Right? And the most honest answer um, here for me, and, and this surprises me, um, is Jumanji. Yeah, right? that is interesting. Right? Not Paul the Apostle or um, You Can Only Imagine or The Passion of Christ or even Life is Beautiful, which is my favorite movie, um, but no Jumanji because it was a movie that surprised me. Hmm. And uh, it surprised me because there was such profound truth. If you recall, in the movie Jumanji, you had these real-life teens behind uh, these in-game avatars come into the story with a real-life hang-up. Okay? Uh, one was a narcissist. Uh, one was obsessed with his social standing. Uh, one was uh, quite shy, nearly militant in his desire to remain an introvert. And one was intent on regaining a lost friendship, which ultimately uh, led him to make some pretty poor choices. You can already begin to hear why this movie resonated with so many people. Father Mike, I don't know if we have talked about this, but the movie Jumanji has the most hits um, as far as our, our iTunes podcasts go. So I, I think there's a reason why this movie resonated with so many people, because in these avatars, you have this movie reaching into uh, the many different types of personality out there. And at the same time, disclosing something about themselves. And when I say themselves, I'm talking about the viewer. 
here, right? So uh, in the end, through this film, and really we could say the limitations and experiences in the Avatar bodies as it plays out in the movie Jumanji, each of the characters really learn to resolve their hang-ups how? But by looking outside of themselves, huh? by coming to understand that if they are going to become the best version of who they are supposed to become, well, then they have to help other. And it is by helping other that they come to discover who they are. And of course, the movie doesn't explicitly reference Christ. But as we have underscored over the last year, <laughs> we don't need the explicit reference to Christ to see how these movies are telling the story about who we are. And if we accept some of these truths within the context of our own faith, we can then be- become the best version of who we are called to be. Yeah, well, that movie was also a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I think for me, what tops, pops right to the top of the list is uh, The Murder on the Orient Express. Mm. Uh, because it was so well done, the music was great, the cast was like, uh, it was a loaded cast, you know, with, with big stars. But it, it really broke open for me just a such, again, rich content in this question of uh, strict justice and then maybe uh, the reality of the human experience and mercy. Mm. Mm. I remember the uh, the inspector uh, begins by you know saying there is the law, there is right, there is wrong, there is nothing in between, mm. and uh, he makes such a complete turn as a character and, and in every other way. And uh, one of the the most memorable lines for me is he says, "There has been a murder, therefore one of you is a murderer." And in the end, he says, "There are no murderers here, only uh, broken people who can be whole again, who can become whole again." And I just that was just such a gripping um, journey to get from one to the other. And the, the recognition that, you know, we hurt one another because we've been hurt. Mm-hmm. And how, does, how is one to look at the brokenness of our relationships in such a strict, it's A or it's B. You know, and the truth is the human experience is um, such a complex mixture of, of grace and disgrace, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. So I, that one really rises at the top for me as just uh, a movie with a lot of rich fodder for for pondering. And certainly we could say that there was some intention to drawing this out in the movie because the lines, uh, there's right and there's wrong and there's nothing in between, uh, and (laughs) there's right, there's wrong, and then there's you in between. Yes, Really bookend the movie. That's right. I forgot about that Anytime, you know, Father Mike, for me, and you you do such a beautiful job of drawing this out in all the movies we talk about, anytime you have a pronounced bookend, Mm -hmm. uh, that is to say the movie coming full circle, clearly the filmmaker, the writers want us to see something. And I would argue, and I think we could say together, we would argue that the filmmakers and the writers of Murder on the Orient Express certainly want us to see that, yes, there's right and there's wrong, and, and we're not saying that there's not right and wrong, right? Course, there, there's truth and untruth, but then there is the you who is in between, and the you is a subject. And yes. so we apply moral law to the subject, mindful that the subject is dealing with wounds, the subject is dealing with a broken past, the subject is dealing with, well, their subjectivity. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's it's such a great line. There was right, there was wrong, and now there is you. And I don't think that the movie tries to suggest that there's no right or wrong. It does try to suggest, I think, that the only way to get to that truth is uh, in you, through you, with you. 
it's interesting the that whole movie is basically this guy listening to people's stories. Yes. That's how he investigates it. That's the whole script uh, essentially. And so, you know, I I just think that, that was such a uh, a rich thought that we can only really get to the truth uh by way of uh seeing the other in their story. Um so there's a caution here about uh, ju- judgment and all mm-hmm. kinds of things. Mhm. Absolutely. Yeah, I have Sister Catherine Doherty's words echoing in my ear right now in relationship to how to journey with someone. You can listen someone into being. Mm. You can listen someone into being. Uh, And I love the fact that you brought up Inspector Uh (laughs) and his listening because over the course of this movie, you can see him listening people into being. And to really push this even farther, in his listening, he was coming to understand the truth inside the being, yep. um, which, of course, was in need of uh, the moral law, absolute truth, but it was now going to be applied in such a way where truth was no longer going to be an imposition, but an invitation. I like that. It was no longer going to be uh, the hammer to the nail, but the bloom to the flower, right? Yep. Uh, we're drawn to it. And that, I think, for me, was the real takeaway. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, agree. And, and, and it's really, really important for us to get inside of these dialogues of these scripts, Father Mike, because when we put this back into the context of the great von Balthasar image of the stage, we can then begin to wrestle anew with what all of this stuff has to do with our own life and in our own relationships. And certainly when you start talking about mercy, uh, justice, (laughs) this is stuff we deal with every single hour of every single day. Oh, yeah. You know, and, the, and the, the end of the movie for me was powerful, too. It was a powerful statement, and that is the great inspector. He says, I can't judge this case. And he essentially, having broken their stories open, after having made all the connections and how all the hurts were connected, um, he says, I can't judge the case, and he gives it back to them, essentially, to judge. And the truth is, they they do the right thing in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think oftentimes, when it comes to questions like truth, we have we want to make sure that everybody gets it straight and kind of essentially draw the lines for them and move them along where they need to go. But if we really can uh, make those connections for people, they do mm. what's right themselves. Mm. Mm. And the only choice, the only moral choice that really matters is the one that is actually yours. Yeah. yeah. I'm not at all suggesting that immoral choices are not problems. I'm saying that we can't live the moral choices of others. Yeah. yeah. So the way the way the inspector kind of leads them to to draw their own conclusion and to act themselves rather than imposing a sentence, I think is, is a powerful image of the God who, you know, points out the path, but, but can only stand and call. Yes. Amen. So to this second question, Father Mike, a question that uh, had me going maybe three or four different directions, honestly, Mm. in my knee jerk response. Uh, What has been your favorite part of doing this series on movies? Now, the first thing to be said is, if I'm going to be honest, is just uh, sitting down with you at the uh, local coffee shop and just talking shop about these movies and then come on air here and, and do what we do. That's really been a highlight for me. Um, but if there's another aspect of this that I think the question is after to the more specific thing about what we do and what we say, for me, it's just watching the movie with... Uh, a new eye, mm. asking the question, what does this movie have to do with me? And we were talking in our pregame huddle today. You know, we say uh, we go to the movies to escape. 
when in reality, that's not what movies are there for. Yeah. Talk to any director, talk, talk to any filmmaker. <laughs> you go to the movies to encounter not what is unreal, but what is real. Yeah. Right? Because what we are encountering, again, is but a reflection of our own narratives, uh, but just played out in a, in a different genre, maybe, or, or different storytelling. And so this is what we do. And uh, for me, if I'm going to answer the question, what's my favorite part of doing what we do? It's just sitting down, watching the movie... Um, asking certain questions. What does this character have to say about who I am? What does this narrative have to say about my own narratives that I have with others? Oh, yeah. Well, if you, if you take the, a word like entertainment and look at the roots, I mean, to, you know, to detain or contain something mm. is to keep it. And entertain mm. is really to, to hold one in between things. Mm. Mm. You know, and so you, you go for entertainment, uh, enjoyment, whatever. But the truth is, um, there is something very intentional about being in between the reality of my life and the reality that's being portrayed and asking the question, how does that represent me? How does it challenge me? What does it say to me or about me? I mean, the, the whole premise of this uh, program is this idea that uh, these stories which, in which we find entertainment have great power to, uh, to reflect us back to ourselves. Yeah. And bringing that intentionality to watching movies um, has been good for me, too. Yeah. The stage is very um, pedagogical. Mm -hmm. The stage educates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you talk about the word entertainment. What does the word education mean from the Latin? But a growth from within. That You break that Latin down. It's a growth from within. I mean, have we ever thought about that before? That all of our education should be this kind of interior growth. If the movies we watch are about entertaining and educating they're about an interior growth mm. and if we're going to really call it for what it is and we are not taken away from the aspect of of being amused and and right. laughing right? Right, right, right. but why are we amused and why do we laugh because of how these movies reflect our own lives yeah right? we see ourselves yeah that's that's right that that's been good for me i i think the the friendship piece too and being able to come in and be harassed by you every week has been has been nice <laughs> I harass you, you <laughs> harass me, right? Our listening audience has no idea what you do to me over at the coffee shop each yeah, and every yeah. time, right? I think, you know, the other thing too is just, um, you know, it, it's always been kind of funny to me that going to the movies is with somebody is social when you sit and stare at a screen. Forever. Oh, my wife and I have talked about that so many times. Oh, it's so good to get together. Let's go go to the movies. However, <laughs> however, it works. Yeah, it does. It you know, does. so there's it something does. to that. And secondly, but, but uh, creating the space to have a have a common experience watching the movie where you're not really talking and being able to engage in just conversation and processing. And, and uh, I don't know, there's something that's been very rewarding about that for me. Enjoyable. Yeah, maybe this will be a side project for us in the future, Father Mike. Uh, but... <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen someone coming out of the movie and not saying anything about what they've just watched. Yeah. This is what we do. Part of the ritual. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, you know, we sooner than later, hopefully, are going to start this YouTube project. Maybe that's something we'll do yeah. to just kind of capture people coming out of the movie theaters and what they have to say about the movie and then to, to engage that. The other aspect of this second question, Father Mike, uh, for me is the homework that's involved. I've really enjoyed doing my research in uh, the people behind the scenes. Now, I know last week I was talking about the importance of not being concerned about uh, the rafters, the cameras, right? But I'm not talking about that as much as 
just getting inside the mind and heart of those who are coming up with the movies we watch. Here, I'm thinking of Frank Capra, a movie we did well but a year ago because we did it during uh, the Advent season. Frank Capra, a man who was, you know, at best an agnostic, has this encounter with a homeless person. And uh, I don't know if we talked about this a year ago, but the homeless person says to him, Frank Capra, he says, yes, you make films. Yes. Where's God? Mm. What do you mean? You've been given a gift from God. You need to start using it for God. This troubled Frank Capra. He goes home to his devoted Catholic wife, and over the course of months and over a year, he, he experiences this Christian conversion, ultimately becomes Catholic, uh, and the movie It's a Wonderful Life, he said, was his favorite movie because it was the movie he created out from that experience he had with the homeless person. It really puts the movie in a different light. It really does, and that's what I love about what we do. If we have the time to roll up our sleeves and work on the tall grass a little bit to spend time with the people who are behind the scenes, what we watch comes from a place, and that place is both a mind and heart or minds and hearts of of people that have a creative genius. And that creative genius, hopefully, is inspiring us to look at something anew. Frank Capra in It's a Wonderful Life wanted us to start looking at life differently, right? That life is a gift. The message is pretty clear. He was very intentional. Frank Capra, as one of the great directors and filmmakers of the 20th century, would be the first person to say, I want every individual to receive this movie differently because I want this movie to meet you where you are at and I want this movie to disclose something about you. And for me, in responding to this question, again, honestly, um, by the grace of God with integrity, I have to say that that's been something for me that I've really enjoyed because it's helped me in my own uh, journey with God. Sure. No, I feel the same. And and again, for me... uh... More than anything, reflection is kind of like a muscle, and you know, having that mm. uh, habitual discipline of doing it mm. makes that natural reflection in my life stronger. And you know, what's interesting to me, and again, pro- pretty much to our point with the program, we'll watch movies, we'll talk about movies, but I would suggest that most of what we talk about isn't the movie itself. You know, that that these thoughts or these particular scenes or lines they lead one to think about one's own life. And so what we've done here is spend a lot of time thinking about our experience, thinking about our convictions as these things are kind of uh, stimulated by what happened in this movie or that movie. But I don't think that our, our conversations have ever been confined to the movie theater. You know, and, and, and it's to the point. Uh, movies have great power to stimulate our reflection upon ourselves. Mm, mm. And I think the discipline of doing that week after week after week has been good for me. And not only that, I mean, we, we stop rolling, uh, stop recording here, and we've had many, many just long conversations oh, yeah. about this, oh, that, yeah. and the other thing. So I, I do think that this project has been uh, a rich stimulus for just reflection on life, on self, relationships, mm-hmm. you name mm-hmm. it. And the thing of it is, Father Mike, we haven't confined and we will never confine what we talk about to just one genre or type of movie yeah. because every movie out there has something to say uh, to someone. Every movie has something to say to you, has something to say to me. So yes, we will talk about Paul the Apostle of Christ, You Can Only Imagine, The Passion of Christ, Calvary, those religious movies. But a lot of quote-unquote non-religious movies are quite religious, 
Yes. Uh, even if they are very different than the conventional thinking of a Christian movie. I don't know how many times, Father Mike, over the past year, someone has come up to me and said, boy, I'm surprised that you talked about this movie, Jumanji. I probably had oh, 15 people come up to me, Joe, you talked about Jumanji? What, yeah. What, <laughs> what's in Jumanji that you and Father Mike could talk about? Yeah, it was a great uh, movie. Yeah, I mean, well, look at the personality conflict, yeah. right? Yeah. Look at the question of who am I, a question that we all wrestle with. Oh, yeah. And you'll know why we talked about Jumanji. It was relevant, and it, and it was also enjoyable. It was entertaining. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I would say two movies that, that just jump out for me just as memorable. One and uh, please forgive me the the curious case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> I was like, man, this movie was weird. <laughs> so it was it was cool in some way because I forced you. Here we are talking about not the yeah the, the proposition, but the imposition. I really I forced... was forced. It was like seven hours long. <laughs> no. it, it, you know, real, it was uh, a long movie. Yeah, it, but you know, on the positive side of things, and, and I'm being a little bit facetious. But on the positive side, I would say the one we just did, uh, A Quiet Place, really has a yes. lot of lasting power for me. Oh, yes. It was just, uh, it was very experiential. Mm. And there's not too many movies that we've done that were just uh, an experience to watch. Mm. There was one other one that we did, and I remember you saying and I saying, uh, we walked away, it's like, man, I was just tired after that movie. Mm. What was that? Do you remember? Oh, The Impossible. Yes. The Impossible. I remember yes. you saying, like, yes. man, I was tired after oh, that. Oh, yes. Which in of itself says something. Yeah. So I, right? I think how we that... existentially engage the stage. Oh, yes. No, so you're right. There's been a couple of movies that were just, they were an experience. Yeah. And, uh... you know, Father Mike, you bring up A Quiet Place, and I am made to, to say something to that movie. I know we just talked about it a couple weeks ago, but I just watched this movie with someone. And isn't it interesting that the person who I watched this movie with said to me, I didn't like how that movie ended. I said, well, what do you mean? Well, the father dying. I didn't like that. Mm. And uh, we ended up having a long conversation about, well, what we talk about, Father Mike, in relationship to the stage and how the stage reveals something about us. And over the course of this conversation, what came to me is that he didn't want to embrace his role in the stage and narrative of salvation history, which led to a whole other conversation by the grace of God. I thought that to be really interesting and worth noting because sometimes, sometimes, and I'm going to throw myself into this, we have an aversion to certain movies because the stage reveals something about us we don't like, yeah. right? Isn't yeah. this, in essence, what Jumanji was all about? Right. right. The reason why I think I gravitated towards that movie is because the way in which it unveiled to me what I don't like about me. <laughs> right, but very playfully. Uh, very playfully, which then allowed me to engage right, this thing that I didn't like inside of me, mm -hmm. which I have since wrestled with. If you were to ask me what movie had the most lasting impact upon me in my own relationship with God, if I were to critically answer that question, it would probably be Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> because so it, it is, it is, but because it showed me something about myself I didn't like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Truth be told. Amen. Father Mike, can you close us with a word of prayer? Lord, we give you thanks for your presence with us and for uh, the opportunity to do this for these 40-some uh, episodes, and we ask you to continue to bless this project uh, and our listeners, you who are the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Father.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.